0: You're listening to the best of the Michelle Miao Show, your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now your host, Michelle Miao.
1: It's Michelle Miao. You're listening to the best of show. We're replaying some of my favorite interviews we've done this year.
0: The Michelle Miao Show, your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao.
1: Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here on this little Friday. (laughs) That's right. It's little Friday. It's Thursday, September 3rd. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. And uh, for the very, very first time alone together is Fong and I. Fong is our new producer. Fong, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of threw you on the hot seat, and it's normally not, uh, you know, it's not mandatory for you to be back there talking to me, but uh, it always <laughs> feels good. It feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels good to have uh, my voice heard, I guess. <laughs> okay, so for our new, uh, for our listeners, you know, you're obviously a new voice now, and so we're going to ha- we're gonna need to know just maybe one or two things about you. Um, sure. E- where did you grow up, and what is your favorite food? Ah, um, I grew up in San Francisco. I actually came here um, with my parents and my, well, my family um, when I was like eight
0: mm-hmm. here as
1: in like California, San Francisco. So I've been here for 13 or so years since wow. then. Wait, I <laughs> am not doing the math correctly. You're young. <laughs> um, More than 13. Yeah, there so, you go. Yeah, okay. So. Um, and my favorite food is pho. Ah, it's like my comfort food. Love I it. love it. I'm such a foodie. I, love I can it. go on, but. Pho, uh, <laughs> by the way, for those who don't know, it's a noodle soup, uh, Vietnamese noodle soup. And uh, you can have it with beef, chicken, or, you know, however you want it. Vegetarian. So let's start with some Gaga news, Fung. I have some news. Um, so we've been following what's happening in Kentucky. As you know, we we, uh, we talked about Kim Davis, the county clerk of Rowan County Clerk, who had refused to issue marriage licenses um, in a because of her personal beliefs but it mean, she refused it to you know, all couples uh has now been ordered as of today to she's been ordered to uh for, she's going to jail for contempt of court oh wow yeah i didn't think that it would come to this but it has now this uh type of story has sparked a lot of other stories around the country in which our guest today, um, you know, will be able to hear from the other side of, of this, this impact in the, this bigger conversation we're having regarding religious freedom and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, marriage equality or equality of LGBTQ lives. So while, you know, this is not good, I, am not going to jump up and down and say, you know, Kim Davis deserved this. I think that we need to, we need to get somewhere in this country and, uh, you know, we need to we need to have the discussion and a clear understanding of, of law, the difference between law, mm-hmm. uh, you know, freedom, uh, liberty and right. So I think we'll just jump into our program. Yeah, sounds great. Today's program is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Our next guest is co-owner of an Oregon bakery, Sweet Cakes. You may have heard of uh, his story as a, an Oregon court had ruled that Aaron and Melissa Klein, who are owner, owners of the bakery, Sweet Cakes, uh, has, has ruled that they will have to pay the lesbian couple that they turned away for a cake up to $150,000 final amount is yet to be determined. It's not set in stone, as I think that there's a, another hearing coming up um, later, uh, which, you know, we'll, we'll talk about. But it, it's been in the news. And just lately, we have heard from LGBT organizations that they have received cases actually from Aaron and Melissa. So to talk to us today about everything that's going on uh, is Aaron Klein. Aaron, welcome to the pro- program.
2: Thank you for
1: having me. Yes. You know, it's interesting, right? Uh, you know, we, we may not have uh, found each other, I guess, in each other's path, but I'm very, very, very grateful that you're here with us today to at least talk and talk openly. Um, you know, I think that the, the first question is, is it true that you and Melissa have been sending cakes to LGBT organizations?
2: Yeah, we actually started that. Um, we, we did that with a gentleman by the name of Ray Comfort. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, he He's an evangelical Christian uh, who uh, tends to have a ministry, uh, even with some of the LGBT groups that are in his area. But what we did was we sent a cake to uh, specific LGBT organizations. Just to let them know, hey, we, we we really do love you. And, and this is is not about hate. This is just a difference of opinion. It's one of those things where what we're doing is just simply saying, my belief is that um, God created man and woman to be together and you disagree. And my belief is that um, we we will be judged one day by our actions and we need to uh, help you guys understand we want to be with you in heaven for eternity. And that's, that's where we come from.
1: Now there was also a DVD that accompanied the cake, uh, as well, though, right? And and what what's the point of the the inclusion of the DVD?
2: The DVD's uh, it's a movie called Audacity uh, that Ray Comfort uh, produced, and and what it is is it really shows that that very thing that I just said is that this isn't a matter of I, I'm condemning you or that I don't like you or anything of that nature. Really, what it comes down to is that. By my belief, I believe that uh, what you're doing is wrong, no different than if I was to be drinking to the excess or doing something of that nature. Sin is sin is sin, according to the Bible. And we all need forgiveness, and so that's why we speak to uh, homosexuals about sin, not because we hate them, because we love them so much that, like I said, we want to spend eternity in heaven with them.
1: Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I don't want to spend uh, all of our time arguing because that's not going to get us anywhere. And, you know, whether we have the same beliefs or different beliefs, um, that's not the point of bringing you on the show. I think what we're trying to get at is having a bigger dialogue, which is happening here in this country when we're talking about you know, the laws, the laws that uh, have been passed, the protections that are extended to, you know, everyone here in this country, uh, uh, an American. And so I wanted to kind of get, you know, your thoughts on, on, breaking the law in order to achieve what you believe. And if you see if you see that as, you know, breaking breaking a law is a good thing, is it a good thing? I I, I would think that before this, you're probably a law abiding citizen who paid his taxes and, and, and does good in his community.
2: And and that's yeah, that's that's the truth is, is really what it comes down to was this was with the state of Oregon, this was a uh, not not a law that we would normally think of a, as a you know criminal penalty type thing this was a uh, statute it's a statutory violation not unlike um you know running a stop sign uh we're, we're not it's not a criminal act according to the history. no and in fact it's it's it, it, it's one of those things where uh, i think the average oregonian didn't even know that that, that statute existed um what, what we're looking at is we're looking at statutes versus constitution, And what worries me, and I think it really should worry anybody in the LGBT community, um, when the government starts to say we can tell you what to think, what to feel, what you should adhere to as far as beliefs, um, rights walk hand in hand. If mine fall, so do yours. The government never takes something and then gives it back. So we need to be very, very diligent and protecting rights for everybody. And we can agree to disagree. You know, we don't have to be at each other's throats on this. We can, we can simply say, Hey, you know, I don't want to be a part of your, your, your wedding. Cause I disagree with it. However, you know, anything else you want, we can, we can be friends. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's really where we're coming from is these girls were return customers. We were not unhappy with them as people. We just didn't want to be a part of something that we didn't believe in. And I think we should be able to have that, that diverse opinion and, and truly be tolerant of each other and not feel that we need to use the government as a tool to punish each other if we disagree.
1: So you don't see it as discrimination at all if you turned away someone, um, you know, who didn't, I guess, who didn't fall uh, within your beliefs are your beliefs aligned with them.
2: Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't I don't view the as a discrimination uh, as it's been portrayed, and, and the reason for that is I wouldn't expect a uh, a, a homosexual uh, to design a cake or make a piece of art to celebrate something that disagreed with their lifestyle, with their beliefs, and I think that we all have a right to that in this country, and and to to say that the government can pick and choose who's going to come out on top on that one, that that's that's a scary situation because you're asking the government to do something that is inherently um, anti-constitutional. The government should be protecting the freedom of every American, not not just a certain class of people.
1: See, and I think that that's where you know we could try to understand that the the laws that are, are expanding or extending to include LGBTQ people. That's that is that we're extending laws to protect um, all people here in this country that includes gay people. And so you know if you are to to open up a, a bakery or cake shop or a mechanic store or whatever it is, and you're open to the public, you should you should be able to serve the public, and that would include you know LGBT people in this country, don't you think?
2: We do serve LGBT people in this country. You, we have, we did, mm-hmm. of course not at this point because we've been uh, well, I like to say this. we've been tolerated right out of business, but um, no. The, the The idea here is that. Um, we, we can we could go beyond serving, but instead now we're going into the idea that we have to celebrate. Hmm. See, that's what that is. A wedding cake is a celebration. It's, 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 a, it's something to beautify an event. Um, that, that's what it, that it is for. And it is art under the First Amendment. It, it is protected speech. And so now we're looking at something where, then, that is to say, that I could force a uh, a lesbian or a gay baker to make a piece of art to celebrate something that is inherently against their beliefs. I don't think that's the case there either. We can, like I said, we can get along here. We don't have to be at each other's throats about this because, really, truly, what it comes down to is it's about tolerance and diversity. That's what this country has been about. And when we start saying that the government is going to um, come in and punish you. I mean, for for instance, right now you're you're exercising your your First Amendment free speech rights. Mm-hmm. right. Okay, it's freedom of the press. Now, what if the government said you can't talk about this whole um, this whole gay marriage issue because we're going to say that that is against the law? Well, that infringes upon your rights. Now, some people might agree with that. Well, I don't want to hear about it, but it's your right to say it. It, 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 it's like I say, these, these rights walk hand in hand. If they take them from me, they can take them from you, and that's
1: a scary situation. I can see, you know, your point of view for sure, and, you know, for me though, as uh, someone who takes, you know, yes, the laws that we have passed seriously, I, I just feel that if the the law protects a group or class here in this country, and I'm doing something that infringes upon their right, then I I would have to take a second look at you know what I'm doing. But then that's me and we're not here to argue that.
2: Uh, Michelle well, Miao. That's, that's a hard situation to come yeah. into because you see what, what, what you got to understand is not only does the federal law protect the religious belief that I have, but the mm-hmm. state law does as well. Mm-hmm. So now you've got these two, these two protected classes, so to speak, up against each other. Well, who's going to win? The government's chosen one side over the other. That's, that's like I say, that's, that's one of those things. It's a sticky situation for the government to be in, number one. I believe the free market would, would really root out any problems there. You know, the, the free market dictates that if somebody does something that's inherently unpopular in the culture, then that, the business is going to suffer the consequences. You don't need, and that's exactly what happened. If it was unpopular, what I did, my business closed down, well, that's okay. Should the government then step in and say we're going to to further the action by uh, you know attaching your wages, garnishing your bank accounts, uh, you know putting a lien on your house? Really? Are we going to go there? You know that that's scary because if if the government took the idea that it took the side again, say that all of a sudden you know we had anti-sodomy laws go on the books, now the government's going to punish people for for doing what they believe. You know that, that's. That's a sticky situation. We don't want to go there. We want to save
1: freedom for everybody. So, Aaron, you know, I got to go on a break in a little bit. You're going to stick around because I have so much to talk to you about. But, I mean, before we go on break, I mean, I want to ask you this. I mean, what if it was turned around, though, and it was Christians who were turned away or who were discriminated against and the court ruled, you know, wouldn't you want the court to rule on, you know, a Christian's behalf if if this person had been discriminated against and that they should be compensated for their losses and what they went through?
2: Um, you, you've got to understand where this, came, this case came from. This case was not a situation where these girls had, they had any losses. They got a wedding cake the next day. This was not a situation where these girls were inherently harmed other than they said they were upset. Um, you know, there, There's a lot of intricacies that, that, that the general populace does not know about this case. Hmm. And I've got to be honest with you. If I could go down the street and get a cake, then mm-hmm. by all means you have a right to your belief and I'll go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's the way this government it should be looking at things. Not, not saying we're going to punish you because you have a belief, and that's really what. If you look at what Ivanka did by coming out originally in this case before even seeing the facts, of it saying that I I need to be rehabilitated. He thought I had an illness to begin with, and that I need to be fixed. You look at uh, you know what what he's done now. He's saying that uh, being upset is worth hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars, and there is finality in this case as far as the labor and industry is concerned. They, they they think that I need to give. A, that's, an, that's overtly designed to ruin somebody. That is not something that seems fair or legitimate, and it should scare every American.
1: Aaron Klein, everyone. He's the co-owner of Sweet Cakes out in Oregon, and we're having a discussion about, yes, the the lawsuit um, and the decision and, you know, just kind of an overall discussion regarding religious freedom and Businesses here in this country. We've got to take a quick break right here, but when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Aaron. Don't go away.
0: And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show.
1: Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here on this little Friday. I should say it's Thursday, but I call it a little Friday because I'm ready for the weekend. I'm Michelle Meow, your host, and our guest today is Aaron Klein. Aaron and his wife own Sweet Cakes in Oregon, and if you've been following the news, uh, then you know that they were involved in a lawsuit uh, in which the Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries had ruled not on their behalf, on behalf of the lesbians that they turned away, and so now they're being ordered to pay up to one hundred fifty thousand dollars to these two women um, that they turned away. And so, Aaron and I are having a conversation about laws, freedom, liberty, and, and you know being here in this country. You know, Aaron, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you kind of this question. I mean, you know, when you're when you are a business owner and and you you're, you're doing it for success. It's, it's, it's your business. I mean, why not understand that being open to the public, you know, business is business. And then what you believe in, I mean, that's personal.
2: Well, that's that's the issue. See, um, anybody that believes in anything in, in a way that it, it really dictates who they are, um, they don't leave that at the door when they go to work. I mean, does a LGBT person, does a homosexual, do they, do they say, I'm a homosexual at home, but at work, I leave it? No. If you if you notice that, that that's inherently not the case. look at the pride parade, you look at the things that go on. That's not something that people check the door because they believe it's a part of who they are. Well, it is a, why does it, is a it, part of who why we does are. Why does it become an issue with that? Yeah, well, it
1: is a, a part of who we are. I mean, you know, naturally speaking yeah. and... in in, in biological ways, but that's a whole new different conversation. Um, But go ahead. I'll let you finish and then I want to tell you a story.
2: Okay. So what it comes down to is do I, as a business owner, do I have to, as a human being, let's put it that way, as a human being, do I have to, do I have to deny who I am in order to go into business? Is that what America is about? Do you have to conform to the likeness of what everybody thinks you should be? Or do we get to be individuals? I get to be an individual under the Constitution, the same as you get to be an individual under the Constitution. When the government starts saying that you cannot be an individual, well, we have an issue, and it's a fundamental issue with freedom in the country, not just for homosexuals, not just for Christians, but as a whole. It's a fundamental issue of the country.
1: Sure. I mean, but it is America and it's, a, it's you know, the di- most diverse country in the world and with people with a lot of different backgrounds. I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, You asked a question about, you know, LGBT people when you leave your house, you know, is a little part of you. Do you, do you have to leave a little part of you? And actually, you know, in, in, in hindsight, I have to I have to answer that, I think I do leave a little piece of me behind. I mean, this past weekend, I went to a wedding in which the 99.9% of those who attended the wedding uh, were Christians. Um, And, you know, Christians who grew up in the South and, you know, everything, it was it was unfamiliar to me in that, you know, we prayed before every single meal. We prayed to God for all the blessings and, and all these things that were unfamiliar to me. But I participated because I respected the people that I was with. I respect I respect, you know, all religious backgrounds, um and also for the people I was there for, the people I love who were getting married. Um and so I just wonder, you know, why can't Christians also set, you know, some things aside for the goodness of, of this country moving forward and, and everyone being respected?
2: The Bible dictates in a little bit different way. And and see if I believe that the Bible is, is God's word and I have to adhere to it, I have to look at it from a objective point of view where I say, Um, you know, it says not to take part in other people's sins. Now, obviously, this mm-hmm. is where we disagree, you and I. Mm-hmm. Okay? The Bible calls the act of homosexuality sin, um, so I'm not supposed to endorse that. That's 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 where I draw the line. Everything else, I mean, we can debate. We can talk. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I love the fact that I'm talking to you right now. I, mean, <laughs> I do too. What I have wanted for a long time people to understand that I can talk. We can we can debate this. I don't. I mean, I I can say this. I can be the most caring, loving person to a homosexual, and I don't have to endorse what they do behind closed doors. You don't have to endorse my going to church every Sunday. Right. You can still be friends, mm-hmm. you know? hmm
1: mm-hmm. No, I totally get that, because if you inv- – <laughs> I, I totally – I've turned, you know, some friends down, and they've invited me to church. You know, I get it. I totally get it from that perspective. I just think that, again, you know, when you're a business owner – Um, And you're open to the public. The public will include LGBT people. And the bigger conversation we're we're trying to have is that, uh, you know, we are people too here in this country. And it's a hard conversation. I get it because you're talking about a belief and I'm talking about a right. A right to be a, a right to be equal, um, and so what do you suppose then that you know that how the law should treat this situation? I mean, I just I opened up the show with Kim Davis, who is now being ordered jail time. Uh, you're you're being fined 150 thousand dollars. We have Christian leaders who have dialogue and saying that you know there's a war against Christians, which I I think is exaggerated. Uh, but what what do you think that what should happen? How can we meet in the middle? How can we live together and tolerate one another, as you say?
2: Well, and, and to that just said, Now you said that you're you're dealing with a belief with me and you're talking about a right to be equal. Mm-hmm. It does come down to rights. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and and rights in this country are dictated by what? By what the law has put forth in the constitution. Now all their laws are subservient to the constitution. The right to religious belief is enshrined in the constitution. We have to look at it I don't want to use that to beat you over the head, you know. Just like you shouldn't want to use your right to be equal to beat me over the head, and, mm-hmm. and that—that's—I that, mean, that's a, a point I think we've all missed in this situation, is that we don't have to do that. We don't have to be mean, spiteful, and hateful. Now, the war on Christianity—you bring that up. I don't think that—I don't think that we can look at it and say that there is a—is a war on religion because you don't see Muslims going through this. Okay, you don't. Orthodox Jews going through this, you see Christians going through this. Now, uh, the, the the LGBT community at large may not be trying to force Christians only to go through this, but it's the only one that seems to come to the, the media spotlight. I'm, I don't know the intricacies of what's going on in Kentucky. I do know that most government agencies are under this equal opportunity employment. Um, It seems kind of odd that they're saying that now that's not equal. Again, here we go with this equality mantra. But it's a situation that becomes scary. We've got a federal judge now going and saying that you're in contensive court and you're going to sit in jail until you agree to do what we say you're going to do. Wouldn't it be more simple to just say you can't hold that position? No, because that would be discrimination then based on what? Religious belief. We, we it just we can go round and round and round and round, we but really what it comes down to is we should be able to just get along.
1: Here in California, they make you post those posters up in your businesses that say you don't discriminate based off of those things. That's being extended to LGBT people here in this country. And so, will you ever will you ever see it
2: that way? I, see, that's that's the, that's the problem, and like I said, this this is where it comes down to where we just need to get along because. My religion says that what's what's going on here is not something I can endorse um, Now, I want you to remember something about this
1: when okay. I say these
2: girls were return customers i never I never rejected them based on their sexual orientation i never I never rejected them as people. I rejected an event. see there's a total difference there. If they came to me today and said they wanted a birthday cake, they wanted a cake just after for dessert. no problem, I'd be happy to do it.
1: You just didn't you couldn't bake their wedding cake? Because that would be you know,
2: endorsing... So more, well, there's so much more to it. And what you got to understand is the cake process is not just a real quick, oh, hey, here's, you, want, you want a cake, you go to Costco. If you want a work of art, you come to Sweet Cake by Melissa. That's, that's the way that works. Mm-hmm. Melissa designs the cake. She, she puts her artistic ability into the cake. Then it's a week-long process of creating the cake. And then I deliver the cake on-site and set it up for the customer. So it goes... I had to show up. and And it's it's one of those things where I just, in my conscience, I cannot say I want to endorse this because I have a fundamental belief that marriage is between a man and a woman. Your belief may not be that. I have, you have a right to that belief. I have a right to my belief. And again, we can get along.
1: So, you know, going forward then as we're winding down on time, I mean, you know, what's the future of sweet I Like you just mentioned earlier, you're out of business. Um, although we know that, you know, some money has been raised to help you with that hefty fine. Um, you're taking orders online, but you've got to, if you really believe in what you believe, I mean, at, at some point you're going to have to say to yourself, like, I should be able to have my storefront again and conduct business the way I want to. So what's, what's the future for Sweetcakes?
2: Well, the future for Sweetcakes is kind of up in the air. Um, if, if we cannot just, just get the state to relent and say, hey, we can, all, we, we, we can all have our beliefs, we can all, you know, exert those beliefs um, in our daily lives, we, we can't open the business because unfortunately, even though you and I are talking right now, there is a, 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 a certain group of people that would love to do this again to me. And quite honestly, $135,000 being given to somebody because they said they were upset for two weeks, that's a big incentive to go ahead and go after sweet cakes again. Um, In the state of Oregon, that's a big incentive for anybody to come after any business that's in the marriage industry or the wedding industry and, and assert something just so that they can get some quick cash out of it. Uh, we're not. Well, I wouldn't say quick. 'cause has been going on for three years. But, <laughs> but, I mean, really, what it comes down to is if we could get the if we could get people just to understand that, hey, you know, um, we can get along. You you may not be able to get your wedding cake just like you couldn't get a cake that had a uh, you know a, an explicit message on it for a bridal bridal shower or, uh, you know, there, there's uh, been all kinds of, you know, kooky things people ask for, and we said no for those, but this is the only one that we've ever had the state say you have to do it. Um, if if we could take what we will participate in and, and, you know, go forward, well, then we might open a shop open again. But if we're going to be told that we don't have that right, well, then we're just going to have to fight tooth and nail, not just for our rights, but for everybody's rights because I'm sure that there's things that you don't want to do in your life that uh, you shouldn't be forced to do.
1: I, I, my, you know, I have a couple last questions. And the reason why I ask that is, I guess, maybe in my heart, I'm hoping that, uh, that you might see that maybe down the line with more conversations with queer people like myself that we, you'll, you'll, Change your heart or mind, and I'm stumbling a little bit just because I know that <laughs> that's my might, you know, that might never be the case. But I, I mean, I want to say this to you. I, I have lots of of religious friends, different religious backgrounds, including you know Christian friends, and and I uh, the wedding, you know, a woman said that uh, she too, you know, kind of it was hard for her because of what the Bible says in her interpretation regarding homosexuality, but. That she loves, you know, her her LGBTQ friends, just the same as you're saying. And at the same time, she does believe that LGBTQ people should be extended the right to love and to have relationships and to have, you know, uh, their their relationships recognized in the form of marriage. And that did not impose with with her beliefs and that, you know, she was fine with that. And so what are your thoughts about that? What about the the progression of of you know Christian beliefs that can include LGBT people and to love them and just kind of you know we all can live under in in this country?
2: Oh, I I think that that the church needs to let the LGBT crowd know that we love them because we do. I think that that's a fundamental issue that's been going on is we've been so so lax and so standoffish about this issue but Um, no, we, we, we can get along and, and, and we don't, I mean, everybody's got their own, I guess you'd say interpretation of what the Bible has to say. I believe that it's, I mean, the literal word of God. And so I have to adhere to that, but my, my conscience says that my, you know, I I have to, I don't think I'm ever going to take part in a same sex wedding, um i never said that they shouldn't be able to say that they're married or get married. Or In fact, I, I kind of tend to take the idea that maybe the government should get out of who issues marriage licenses altogether because marriage is something between uh, two people. Uh, in my case, it's, I say it's between uh, my wife, myself, and God. But um, why does the government get to de- redefine something that they never defined to begin with? Um, that's always been more of a religious or a personal issue. So I've never been on that stance that, uh, well, I'm going to make sure that homosexuals can never call themselves married. I've always been more of the, um, well, if they want to say that and I don't want to be a part of it, then we should be able to get along, you know. And that's, that's where I'm coming from. It's freedom, freedom for everybody. Do, uh, do what do what you want. Um, just don't ask, ask me to converse uh, it, you know.
1: Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, okay. Um, my last question for you, I mean, I know you have five kids, and uh, I grew up in a household, you know, I have four siblings myself, so I'm I'm one of five. Um and and the you know how we grew up and who we are today and it, it my parents helped shape that for sure. And so I wonder kind of, you know, as you look into the future for your boys and what you've been through and where you're at, you know, regarding your beliefs today and freedom, what do you hope for for your for your five kids?
2: I hope that my five kids can uh, come back to a country that, that was founded on the ideas that every every American is free to believe how they want to believe. I, I, and, that, and like I say, that includes everybody. That's, that's homosexual, straight, black, white, conservative, liberal. Um, everybody gets to have their beliefs, and we can get along. This is, we've seen such a such a gravitation towards division in this country in the last uh i'd say probably about the last 10 years we've we got to get away from that we got to start getting along we can get a lot more accomplished if we can just see fit to stop um you know badgering each other and 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 browbeating each other and if we can just just wake up to the idea that the constitution protects all of us all of our rights all of our beliefs and and we can move forward in a way that is actually uh, edifying to the country instead of uh, absolutely destructive and that's
1: Thank you so much for joining us here on the program today and taking the time out and for sharing your thoughts.
2: Not a problem, and I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity. And uh, you know, I I hope we can all be friends.
1: The Michelle Meow Show continues right after this. Don't go away.
0: You are listening to a rebroadcast of an earlier version of The Michelle Meow Show.
3: You're listening to the Progressive Voices Channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com.
0: And now, back to The Michelle Meow Show.
1: It's Michelle Miao. You're listening to The Best Of Show. We're replaying some of my favorite interviews we've done this year. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us here on this little Friday. Wow, what an interview. It's kind of set us into the weekend, and I'm sure for a lot of the progressives and the LGBTQ community who tuned in for this interview might have hoped or wished that I was a little harder on, and, on Aaron, but, you know, I'm sure you can tell by the other interviews that we've conducted here. We try to be as, as uh, respectful uh, as we can. Um, I think for the second half of the show, we're going to go back and replay an interview— that we did with Danielle Evans, who is a senior fellow in constitutional studies at the National Constitution Center. Uh, she did a really good job in, in kind of explain, explaining to us in terms of the Constitution and our rights and just kind of how we should progress as a country. So let's get to the interview.
0: The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z, covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now, here's your host, Michelle Miao.
1: Welcome! Happy Little Friday! Woo! For some of you. Yeah, this, this, uh... Could be you know the last day of work or just the last hard day of work. So enjoy your evening. I'm Michelle Miel, your host. Our guest today is going to give us kind of the uh, black and white on the Constitution, even the, the uh, U.S. Constitution, and just kind of questioning. Um, you know, I feel you know what the, where I'm going with this is that when I feel it like with with even political figures who are more on the conservative side, when all else fails will bring religion into their arguments. Um, I'm not really quite sure if, you know, that constitutes as... um a, a, you know, part of an argument that should be discussed as far as equal rights are concerned. But maybe our guests will enlighten me. <laughs> well, if one of our principles is separation of church and state, we've certainly <laughs> strayed from that. So that is why I'm bringing someone way smarter than me who studied the Constitution. Um, and, uh, you know, so this will be an exciting first half of the show. Today's program is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement. Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. The Supreme Court will make a decision soon on the Obergefell v. Hodges case, which we consider to be the final marriage equality case. What they're making a decision on, basically, is if state bans on same-sex marriage are unconstitutional. The National Constitution Center just recently hosted a debate on marriage equality and the Constitution. John Eastman, chairman of the National Organization for Marriage and a professor at the Chapman University Fowler School of Law, as well as Sheriff Gerges, co-author of What is Marriage, argued that the Equal Protection Clause doesn't apply. Evan Wolfson, founder and president of Freedom to Marry and also author of Why Marriage Matters, And uh, Kenji Yoshino, professor at uh, NYU School of Law and author of Speak Now, Marriage Equality on Trial, argue that it does. Here to discuss the Constitution, that debate, and equal rights is Daniele Evans, a senior fellow in constitutional studies at the National Constitution Center. Daniele, thank you so much for being with us today.
4: It's a pleasure to be here.
1: So let's start by discussing the Constitution. I feel like, you know, the Constitution is something that— a I don't know, a good amount of Americans have forgotten, for example. We've learned about the Constitution so long ago in history classes, but uh, specifically regarding LGBT people. At one point, legal scholars, lawmakers, even doctors, professionals, did not see sexual orientation or gay people, I should say, as a person or that they should have rights um, and saw sexual orientation as a behavior or an act. But that has rapidly changed over the years and as well as the discussion, right?
4: Uh, yes, I think that's definitely right. Um, in part because of some of the things that I heard in your in your trailer, people coming out and explaining that this is a part of my identity, a fundamental piece of me that defines who I am in ways that religion might define who somebody else is or establishes the way you understand yourself in the world. And people owning that, I think, came to change the way that courts and the law view that that feature of a person.
1: What about, you know, a statement I made earlier, and and Jax and I had had discussed this as we announced Rick Perry's uh, candidacy for for president. Um, It seems that, you know, with LGBT rights, it's so easy to get caught up in the argument uh, and, and throwing religion in there. But if we could just kind of see black and white and you've studied the Constitution, you know, how does religion and LGBT rights and the Constitution, you know, how does that all get meshed into an argument or have we really strayed away from uh, the, the Constitution and its basic principles?
4: Well, an interesting thing about the, the debate over gay marriage and the Constitution and religion are a sort of an interesting, complicating factor whenever you talk about the Constitution is the way that the framers envision states operating in the mix. Um, and I think that some of Perry's arguments pertain to uh, state governments and what choices states should be able to make for themselves. Um The Constitution was originally designed just to say what the federal government can and can't do. So it said the federal government, Congress, can't establish a religion. Um, It said Congress can't encroach on anyone's free exercise of religion. Um, And then after the Civil War, we adopted the 14th Amendment, which was the 13th Amendment banned slavery, and the 14th Amendment said that nobody should be denied equal protection of the laws and that states can't uh, deny any of their citizens any of the privileges and immunities of citizenship. And it was only then that the provisions of the Constitution, for instance, the provision on establishing churches, was applied to the states. So up until then, states actually could and did establish churches. Um, And there's been this long tradition in American law of states being sort of like the local uh, decision makers. So states can have their unique identities, and they have always preserved the power to legislate and reflect the morality of their citizens. And the idea at the time of the founding, I think, was that you know, Pennsylvania would re- reflect the personal values of a unique group of people, and New Jersey would reflect the personal values of another unique group of people. And if you like one sort of system or another, you can move from state to state, and it preserves some degree of freedom um, from a totalitarian, totalitarian central government. And the way that that comes in in the gay marriage debates is that uh, there are people who argue that regardless of whether you think that uh, LGBT rights or gay marriage is good or bad policy, um, it's very important to have that policy be dictated at a state level because states have long had a tradition of being able to say we're a particular community, we want our unique values reflected in our laws, and other states in the country have their unique values reflected in their laws, and it's not a matter for Washington, D.C. to decide for us. Um, And some of that comes to moral values and religious values. Sometimes it's progressive values. Sometimes it's we want to legalize marijuana, and we don't want Washington, D.C. to tell us we can't do it. Um, So there's that structural piece that uh, isn't necessarily reflecting uh, all discrimination against gay people or a statement that uh, LGBT people don't deserve rights, but it's more reflecting or at least voiced in terms of the state should be the decision makers, not not Washington, D.C.
1: I totally, you know, understand that argument. But for some reason, I when I hear that, when I hear um, you know, a political figure say that it should be a, a state decision, it automatically brings me to this question of segregation, you know, which was uh, obviously a form of discrimination. Our country has segregated you know, people um, before. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts about that statement or if I if I'm just kind of overlooking this uh when it comes to, especially, you know, the Constitution, what it sounds like now, there, there is room for us to, you know, have progress uh, and that it doesn't always have to default to kind of, you know, our founding fathers and what their thoughts were on how this country should be run.
4: Absolutely. Uh, that's the argument on the other side. Again, here at the National Constitution Center, we are committed to nonpartisan debate about the Constitution. Our exhibit here is uh, exploring the gay mov- the, the movement, For gay rights and the constitutional debate over gay rights. uh, I'm just representing one side and the other. So the argument that I just gave you was the sort of Mm Federalist-oriented argument. The argument on the other side is that, uh, yes, the federal constitution, um, especially after the Civil War, which ended slavery, uh, and the 14th Amendment, which uh, uh, applied the Bill of Rights to the states and said the state governments also cannot restrict any of the fundamental freedoms uh, that's contained in the Bill of Rights? Yes, that's exactly what it did. It declared that everybody in the country has fundamental rights that are inalienable which means that state voters can't elect to take take them away Um, and it did that to end segregation it did that to end now uh, gender discrimination and race discrimination um, and religious discrimination of various kinds and uh, it should also apply to uh, things like sexual orientation, choice of who you want to have as a partner, um, and, you know, anything else that is identity-defining or a group that has face discrimination that is unfounded, you know, yeah. yes, it, it, there's a strong claim there as well.
1: Right, right. We're speaking with Daniele Evans, who's a senior fellow uh, in constitutional studies for the National Constitution Center. And you're hearing now we're having an extremely exciting conversation about the Constitution and, uh, you know, LGBT rights, and of course, marriage equality. I had mentioned earlier that the National Constitution Center had hosted a debate, uh, and I want to get into that. We have a couple minutes before we take a break. Uh, Daniele, so Let's let's introduce that, you know, um, the debate, obviously. I didn't get a chance to watch the YouTube video that you guys posted, and I wasn't able to be a part of that, but, um, you know, how did it go?
4: I mean, it, it went well. We had uh, commentators reflecting some of the arguments that we're talking about here, um, and we have them talking about specifically whether the Equal Protection Clause, which is the uh, 14th Amendment, um, has a provision in it that says that no state shall deny any citizen equal protection of the laws. It's traditionally been, it came up in the, it was adopted in the context of the end of the Civil War and uh, abolishing slavery. Um, And it's traditionally been interpreted to protect particular classes of people, to prohibit intentional discrimination based on race, based on gender. Um, And there's long been a framework where uh, laws that inflict burdens on suspect classes or groups that have faced a history of discrimination um, are subject to heightened scrutiny, meaning the government has to have a very important interest to justify those kinds of laws. Um, And the claim uh, in—one of the claims in the marriage equality case is that uh, the laws banning same-sex marriage impose a particular burden on gay people, and that gay people should be recognized as a protected class under the Equal Protection Clause. Um, the argument on the other side is that sexual orientation is not a protected class like race or gender because it is not something you're born with. Um, And I realize that's scientifically very contested. um, And there are people who take a totally different position, which is uh, it shouldn't matter whether it's something that you're born with or not. It's a free choice that everyone should be entitled to make, and it's tied to a person's dignity or, or liberty. And in a slightly different context, we have cases protecting the right to abortion, uh, the right to choose whether to have a child. Uh, Lawrence is the case that said that the state can't criminalize uh, 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 conceptual sex between same-sex partners. Um, and these cases didn't depend on the idea that this was discrimination against the suspect group. Rather, they depended on a fundamental right to dignity or a right to structure your personal behavior in a way that you want without state intervention. Um, And there are people who say that that should be the reason that prohibitions on same-sex marriage are unconstitutional. And there are others that say that the court should find uh, that uh, LGBT persons are historically discriminated against class like black people and women, and then uh, impose heightened protections there, and then there are people who should say that neither of these reasons should apply, the federal government just shouldn't be, and that their constitution has nothing in it that reaches same-sex marriage. And those were sort of the terms of the debate the other day, that's very distilled.
1: This is a, an extremely exciting conversation. Danielle Evans, a senior fellow in constitutional studies for the National Constitution Center, is with us. And uh, we have to take a quick break, unfortunately, but stay with us, come back, because we'll continue this conversation. Don't go away.
0: And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show.
1: Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. On the phone with us is Danielle Evans, a senior fellow in constitutional studies for the National Constitution Center. I just mentioned uh, before the break that the National Constitution Center hosted a debate arguing uh, around the equal protection clause in, w- in which we were just getting into before the break. Danielle you know, there have already been federal cases. The Supreme Court has already made decisions on on cases, which is why we have seen this rapid um, progression regarding marriage equality in this country, right? And so if the Supreme Court in this conversation we're having this uh, in this debate about the Equal Protection Clause and whether the LGBTQ people are a protected class, I mean, making decisions, um, arguing, uh, that it it doesn't apply would mean that we would be reversing on some some recent cases, right? Um,
4: not necessarily. The court has been uh, very uh, circumspect in its decisions addressing uh, same-sex relations and same-sex marriage so far uh, to a lot of criticism. Um, it, it it had a case in 1986 that held that the it was acceptable constitutional for states to cr- criminalize uh, sex between same-sex couples. That's Bowers versus Hard- Hardwick. And that sparked the movement, arguably, or exhibit here, says that this really people into action and said, okay, we're going to have to go through the political process. Um, And then in the 90s, early 90s in Lawrence versus Texas, the court reversed that decision and said under the Equal Protection Clause, uh, but there are two, you know, under the 14th Amendment, which contains the Equal Protection and Due Process Clause. um, The Due Process Clause guarantees, it's the same clause that is the basis for the right to abortion, for instance. It's has been interpreted to guarantee certain uh, personal liberties, like the right whether to have a child, um, the right whether to have a family, the decision whether to have a family, um, and says that the state can't interfere with those kinds of choices. Um, And based on this right, the court said a state has no business regulating who uh, a consenting adult can have sex with. Um, And it said that the state had no interest in criminalizing sex between same-sex couples. That was a big, uh, a big victory that laid the basis for uh, the marriage equality claims. What hasn't been answered, and in Windsor, in the decision. Uh, in the last couple of years that struck down the federal defense of marriage act, which defined marriages between a man and a woman for the purpose of federal law. Um, the court also didn't answer whether this was a denial of equal protection, which would have required it to say uh, LGBT persons are a historically discriminated against class like uh, black people or like women. Um, it sort of said uh, the, these laws impose a stigma, and they violate the dignity of LGBT persons and their children. Um, they, and then it's resorted back to some of its reasoning from the uh, the cases that say that there's a, a right to determine, you know, whether you want to have a child, who you want to sleep with, various things like that. Some of the freedom logic, less than equality logic, um, but it and it. And then it also said that states have a right to make choices about whether to recognize marriages, and many states have chosen to recognize marriages between same-sex couples, and a federal law defining marriages between a man and a woman violates the dignity of those states. So in the last big uh, same-sex marriage opinion, Windsor, we actually have the court setting up Two kinds of dignity, dignity of states to define marriage, and dignity of LGBT persons to be in the types of relationships that they choose. Um, and it so happened that the court could uphold both those types of dignity uh, and strike down a federal law that regulated uh, marriage, but it's forced to choose between those in this upcoming decision, and it hasn't made that choice yet. If that makes
1: sense, right yes no it does it does and and that uh, thank you i think this is the uh, best clarification that i've just received so far i wanted to bring up uh, we're running against time and gosh i could talk to you all day and learn from you but i i wanted to bring up religious freedom uh bills and that are popping up across the state here as marriage equality you know has become legal in most states over half the states here in this country um You know, when 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 uh, discussing the Constitution and religious freedom and the LGBTQ community, there's this swinging door, I feel like, as far as discrimination goes. It's like the uh, you know, the religious groups also feel discriminated against and then LGBTQ people then are in turn discriminated against. I mean, how how do we how do we have a, a healthy conversation around that when you're applying the Constitution?
4: It's it's very difficult. Um, I would I would just to make a tiny clarification. The religious freedom bills are not the Constitution, um, so they're uh, and even the federal one are enact are their legislation um, that's enacted by voters, um, and that makes a difference only in the sense that the Constitution is supreme to any of, of this kind of legislation. Um, so there is potentially if if. The Supreme Court recognizes a fundamental right to uh, same sex marriage or to that a particular group is a protected class that might be supreme or at least in conflict with some of the some of the implications of religious freedom laws um, it's a very hard thing to talk about because there are people who have genuinely held religious beliefs and there are also uh, as we've just been talking about, lots of cases that say that people have individual rights to structure their personal relationships in the way that they uh, think fit, and that's fundamental to human dignity. And, I mean, these are sort of the inter- interminable questions that make up, I think, a democracy of people with different values. Um, I I don't know if there's a lot to say beyond that. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I, I – you know, because it was – we've had both – Conservative groups, moderately conservative groups and and liberals here who have been discussing religious freedom and, you know, it ranges, right? And we're just trying to make sense of it because obviously it does – whether the Supreme Court rules in favor of those uh, supportive of marriage equality or not, the uh, religious freedom – um, conversation, I think, will continue if not be one of the hottest topics leading into the 2016 presidential campaign. And when you look at like the case um, in Indiana and how you know Governor Governor Mike Pence handled it, and then uh, I think corporate influence, I, I feel like the conversations or the dialogue that resulted in you know Indiana kind of um, uh, changing or amending uh, that that bill. Also shied away from kind of, you know, what Jax had brought up earlier. What about, you know, separation of church and state? So it's just made it all so confusing. But then at the same time, when I look into the future, I mean, I certainly as an LGBTQ person uh, would would never want to be turned away because of my sexual orientation. So I think that's kind of why I wanted to ask it, you know, in terms of how, that, how does that apply to the Constitution? How do, how do we continue to have these conversations? It just sounds like it's it's always going to be difficult until we figure it out.
4: Right, right. Um, it is difficult. Um, one thing to—one distinction I think that is important to just bring up in this conversation generally uh, as applied—I mentioned it a little bit when I talked about the religious freedom laws being legislation—is um, it is, think about the difference between what courts do and what courts say, and then what voters do and what voters say. Um, so the religious freedom laws have been adopted by voters, or at least by legislatures. Um, there are a couple of things a lot of states don't have, and the federal government doesn't have, uh, an anti-discrimination law for sexual orientation. So there is nothing right now uh, making it illegal in many states. Uh, some states there is, or in the federal government, to uh, discriminate based on sexual orientation um, in, in in the workplace or anything like like that. Uh, you know, nothing stops a, a baker from declining to bake a cake. Um, we do have laws like that for race and gender that came out of the 1964 Civil Rights Act that hasn't been changed to to also encompass sexual orientation. Um, and this is something that needs to come from a political initiative these are this is legislation passed by Congress this doesn't come from the Constitution and courts um, and there's an argument uh, generally in all of this debate that the parties that should be taking the initiative here are voters not courts and i'm not again I'm just presenting the arguments to you i'm not mm-hmm. taking one stance or another um, but there is a there is an argument that's made by people on both sides. Uh, people pro-LGBT rights, uh, that rights are more secure when voters choose to ad- adopt them. They make they pass laws protecting LGBT persons or when voters pass referenda re- for recognizing same-sex marriage. Uh, that right is less contested uh, by everybody or better accepted than it is when a court, uh, which is an unelected, minority, either one or two or a group of eight judges, impose that rule on the public um, because people feel like it's more legitimate if they've voted for it and chosen it than if a court has decided it for them. Um, and so there's a thought in some of this that the best way to have this conversation, and this has been the basis for some of the lower court decisions addressing same-sex marriage, is for voters to talk to each other and elect their... Answer rather than courts imposing the answer on on everybody, because then you get backlash that you don't necessarily have if people feel like something's been elected by popular vote.
1: Very very well said, and uh, Ireland would be a great example of that in which they're the first country in the, uh, the world, really, to pass marriage equality through a, a public vote. Danielle Evans, uh, he, the Senior Fellow in Constitutional Studies for the National Constitution Center. Daniele, thank you so much for joining us today and enlightening us and educating us on the Constitution and the subject regarding LGBTQ people and equal rights.
4: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. This is a great conversation.
1: Thanks so much again for joining us here on this little Friday, or I should say Thursday, September third. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Today was, uh, it was a was it was a very important conversation to have, and I hope to have more of these conversations. And I think the more and more we have them, we're gonna get somewhere. I I totally believe that. You just gotta have belief. Thanks for listening. You can catch The Michelle Miao Show Monday through Friday, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on the Progressive Voices Network.